From ESPN Films and ESPN Audio, you're listening to 30 for 30 Plus. My name is Jody Avergan. This is our series of bonus conversations in between seasons where we have chats with filmmakers and others about some recent 30 for 30 films. We'll be back in the spring, by the way, don't worry, with some all-new audio docs. But in the meantime, we've got some really great conversations lined up, starting with this one, which is about something that the sports world and sports media love to romanticize and debate, the upset. Sports fans love to debate what is the greatest upset of all time, and there's now a new film, 42 to 1, about what could be sports' greatest upset. Buster Douglas knocking out the seemingly invulnerable Mike Tyson. It is bigger than any upset in boxing history. James Buster Douglas shocked the world when he defeated the reigning heavyweight champ, Mike Tyson, the Mike Tyson, at a 1990 title fight in Tokyo. Going into the fight, the odds were not in Douglas's favor. No one thought Buster could win. The favorite, Tyson, of course. The underdog, Douglas. The odds, 42 to 1. Douglas was widely seen as a quitter whose fighting career was basically behind him. Does it bother you that you are such an underdog? It's been like that since day one. And Mike Tyson was Mike Tyson, a force of nature at the height of his powers. He was considered, at, at that point, the greatest fighter ever walked the earth. I could be any fighter in the world. Hey, what can I say? That's all she wrote. The story of how Douglas proved the doubters wrong is the subject of our latest 30 for 30 film, 42 to 1. It's much more than just a boxing story. ESPN's Jeremy Schapp and Ben Hauser co-directed the film. Jeremy, Ben, congratulations on this film and thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. There's something that I've heard people say, and I, I say sometimes about a written piece, which is that it reads easy. Uh, and I don't know if there's a film equivalent of that, but I just want to say that this film kind of watches easy. I mean, it was just really fun to just hit play and be along for the ride for a while. Thank you. It was uh, definitely a, a labor of love. I think this is a story that Jeremy and I have talked many times through the years. And uh, I know it's arguable, but I think we can both agree on this statement, at least in our minds. We believe this is the greatest upset in sports history, oh and that's kind of driven a lot of our conversation and in, in wanting to tell this story through Buster, not Tyson, through yeah. Buster Douglas. And I say that despite the fact, Jody, that I wrote a book <laughs> titled Cinderella Man, Jim Braddock, Max Bear, and the Greatest Upset in Boxing History. So I, I reserve the right to change that, update my opinion. But actually, not to get too big think here, but can, does one of you want to actually take a crack at defining what an upset is? is and what makes something a great upset yeah I, I mean it's interesting because there are different ways of looking at it. you know is a great upset uh something that happens when somebody who doesn't have any right or a team that doesn't have any right to defeat another team make it happen or is a great upset when uh the one that everybody expects to win loses despite the fact that you know they haven't really looked at the other side fairly. So are you kind of saying that there's like an earned upset and then there's a fluky upset? And does one of those sort of feel more genuine to you? I, I, I think that's right. And I think in boxing in particular, you run into those situations. You think about, you know, heavyweights in particular and a one-punch knockout. Anybody, you know, a, any heavyweight fight, you know, you've got a puncher's chance. Two big guys going up against each other, somebody gets careless. That's not what happened in this fight. Anybody who's watched the fight, anybody who remembers it, knows that Buster Douglas dominated this fight. It's not really the equivalent of what happened in some of those um, uh, other upsets that we think about in the heavyweight division. 
Was there something about Douglas himself in particular that made him someone that people underestimated going into this fight? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and I say this with all due respect. I think that Buster had certain moments in his career uh, where he did not prepare the way that he should have, either physically or mentally for big moments. What we saw from Buster Douglas was a fighter with amazing potential. Had a pretty good pop. Rock hard jab there by Buster Douglas. Decent speed. A lot of boxing ability. But it takes more than ability to be a top, top fighter. He was a guy with all this natural ability and size and all these tools and a pedigree in the sport. His father was a tough, tough guy, as you know. And yet he didn't have the killer instinct. The thing that at that point most people remembered him for more than anything else was winning uh, through nine rounds against Tony Tucker in his previous title shot two and a half years before that. Buster was beating Tony Tucker. He was dominating early rounds. Then the 10th round started. Tucker got him on the ropes. Buster, he didn't throw any punches back. The referee stepped in, stopped the fight. That was it. And in fighting, all it takes is one moment like that over the course of just a few seconds to be labeled a quitter in that sport. There's a soundbite from Don King where he he essentially says Buster Douglas isn't any good. Buster Douglas is a Buster Douglas is a dog. He's always been a quitter. And he's specifically referencing what happened in that Tucker fight, the IBF title fight in 1987. And fair or unfair, that was the label. That was what was attached to Buster Douglas even two and a half years later after six consecutive wins that set him up for another title shot against Mike Tyson. One other big element of this, certainly something new here, I think, for a lot of people, is the backstory. We've hinted at it a little bit between Buster Douglas and his father. Ben, you want to talk a little bit about that dynamic and how much it really did seem to define and power uh, Buster Douglas, certainly at least as a boxer? No question. You know, Buster's father uh, was Bill Dynamite Douglas was his nickname. He was a, a very accomplished middleweight in the 60s and 70s. He really traveled the world. He fought in South Africa. He fought in Japan. But he never got his own title shot. He never he never went out there and 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 got to accomplish that dream, becoming a champion. And so when Buster, who uh, was a great athlete in his own right, and started boxing around the age of 10, and his father really teaches him how he can be an accomplished pro. And that they have this bond that goes on for a period of time. But at the same time, there's a tension that goes along with that. He has to sever that relationship following the loss to Tucker. I mean, that dynamic is just so interesting. And it's a very sort of classic father, son, hard driving father, son who wants to break away. It also occurs to me that when, you know, your father's nickname is Dynamite and your nickname (laughs) is Buster. I mean, it probably says a lot about the dynamics in that relationship. I mean, it's this is a, a vast oversimplification but, you know, Dynamite Douglas, to the people who knew him, uh, he was the guy who was heart. He was mm-hmm. heart, and he was determination. Now, you can and, even see that in some of the archival that you guys found of him fighting. I mean, you oh, see yeah. that. It's just pure drive and right. will. It, you know? He was going, as Bruce Trampler says in this, and Bill Douglas, Buster's younger brother, you got into the ring with Dynamite, you knew you were going to pay the price. He was hardcore, man. He's my hero. When the bell rang, 
he would answer it. He was savage. I mean, he was he was uh, not to be played with at all. And Buster, uh, you know, and this is one of the points we try to establish in the backstory that people don't know. Buster's just a different uh, disposition. Everybody was like comparing me and my father. They would say, I don't know, because it doesn't seem like he has that intensity that his father had. And he didn't have his father's inner drive to be a fighter. Buster could fight, but he didn't always want to. The thing that has bothered me over the years, frankly, having been around Buster for a long time, is that people tried to discredit him. It's like, ah, you know, he got lucky against Mike Tyson. Ah, he was soft. He was this and that. Look, compared to Dynamite Douglas, he was not a killer, but very few are. You know, and it's a weird thing, too, Jody, in boxing, right? Um, Because, you know, it's like if you're the... If you're the 10th best left-handed pitcher in Major League Baseball, people are like, oh, you're great. You're an all-star. You might end up in the Hall of Fame. You're going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. If you're the third best heavyweight in the world in a sport that's global, people are like, you're a bum. You're not the champ. You're nothing. And I think Buster suffered from that for a long time. And um, what's fascinating me for a long time uh, are those guys who, on a particular occasion, locate that whatever it requires to be their best and and realize their potential. As a fighter who hasn't put it all together, kind of more likely to get their act together and put it together against someone like Mike Tyson or go in the opposite direction and completely fall apart? I guess I'm trying to say, is, is it a coincidence that he put it all together against Mike Tyson? No. You know, if you speak to the people who were around him at the time, there was a combination of factors that led to this moment in Tokyo on the morning of February 11th, 1990, where Buster Douglas found a way to fully realize his potential in a way that he never had previously and we know would never again. Not the least of which was the um, tragic death of his mother at the age of 46, just 24 days before the fight. She was so proud of him. That was his fuel. He was devastated. There were some tears shed, and, and I asked him if he wanted me to postpone the fight. And I said, the last thing she would want me to do is quit. Buster was motivated to finally prove people wrong about him and make his mom proud. He comes into the ring in Tokyo that day, a different Buster Douglas than anyone had ever previously seen. More motivated, more focused, in better shape. It's about someone finding the best version of themselves at the moment at which it mattered most. I completely, 1,000% believed he was going to beat Mike Tyson's ass. Beat his ass. After the break, we'll hear about the rise of Mike Tyson in the late 1980s, why he seemed unstoppable until this fight, and where this fight truly falls on the list of sports' greatest upsets. Mike, we've seen a lot of different fighters in the last few years with all sorts of personalities. What's your personality going to be as you develop a little bit more? Mike Tyson is actually just a cold, business-like killer. Let's talk about Tyson a little bit. You know, I think we've laid out that maybe Douglas was a bit underestimated going into this. Is there any way in which Tyson was overestimated? Yeah, well, totally. You know, 
based on what he had done to that point, you'd have to say that he deserved it. I mean, he was a phenomenon unlike any in the heavyweight division in, you know, more than half a century to that point. An undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, Iron Mike Tyson. He was a new breed. Iron Mike was a knockout machine. He was scary. I use fear to my opponent. The fear I use as my friend. And he was a total killer who had shown really very little reason to believe that he had any vulnerabilities. And I refused to be beat. There's no way in the world I could be beat. I refused. There's no way. Tyson at this time is 37-0. I think he had 33 knockouts. I mean, we give you an entire Mike Tyson fight in this. That's not Tyson Douglas. That was the Marvis Frazier fight. I think the actual account was 30 seconds or 31 seconds. This period of time from 1985 until he fights Buster, he is a phenomenon. I mean, Ben, it does feel like, in many ways, this film is as much about hype and narrative and sort of the the lens that the the way the media a media narrative can skew reality as much as it is about anything else i would agree with that i think i think mike tyson is a character in this documentary you really get to see and experience the rise of mike tyson tyson's rise has been meteoric a million dollar fight deal widespread publicity than the hottest ticket in the business right now. He was surrounded by Don King. He had married Robin Givens. And he grows way beyond the sport. He becomes a massive celebrity. One of my favorite things is Mike Tyson was on the cover of the Nintendo game Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. That's something that is a retro ben vintage Ben still thing. plays I still morning. love it, yes. Every I can't, morning. I can't beat him despite the fact I know the code <laughs> just to go directly to Buster him. had a game after the He fight, did. He, he did. Buster. But uh, Tyson was so big at this period of time, and you really get to experience that. You get some rarely seen clips. It's 719, and you just saw Mike Tyson. How good are you? Really, I do not know how good I am. Oh, come on. You're being modest. I really believe deep down in my heart that I'm the best fighter in the world. So that that brings us nicely back to the question of the odds here and the nature of this upset. I mean, how did the odds get to 42 to 1 and (laughs) did they deserve to be at 42 to 1? Well, uh, Ben and I spent, you know, a lot of time. Uh, with Jimmy Vaccaro, who's one of the characters in this film, who he's a legendary odds maker. <laughs> legendary Vegas, odds maker. Back then, I was working at the Mirage, and I decided we would take action on the fight. Nobody else posts odds today. You could have called this a million to one. Here in Las Vegas, people bet on just about anything, but none of the sports books would even lay odds on Tyson Douglas. No one thought Buster could win. It opens at twenty-seven to one. They're getting no action on Buster Douglas at 27 to 1. Goes up to like 35 or 36. No action on Buster Douglas. Well, we couldn't find anyone to bet on the underdog until we got to the pinnacle. 42 to 1. We're just a handful of people say, ah, what the hell? He said they took about 10 bets at 42 to 1 on Tyson. And, and just, there, to, there, just to lay that out, that means that f- you, in order to make $1, you have to bet $42. Correct. Right? And, so. and that's, <laughs> yes, exactly. And he said he took at least one, one single bet that was for $160,000 to win $4,000. Right. And these people betting this, I mean, this doesn't sound rational, but at the time, they, he explains it like it's, it's like a stick up. I'm going to give you my money. Right. You're going to give me my money back plus a few thousand in about an hour or less. 
you know, I have this other other life where I host the, the podcast for 538, which is the data journalism site. We think about odds and probability a, a fair amount there. And I think we often look at betting markets as a pretty solid indicator of you know, that's the wisdom of the crowd. It's kind of where people have naturally landed. And so sometimes it's a, it's a useful thing to look at. But this feels like the 42 to 1 was was not doing that. It was not actually representative of the actual state of this No, fight. it might as well have been a million to 1. I mean, look, we've got a bunch of people, you know, saying stuff like, Buster's got no chance. You know, Buster can't, this, this you know, we have a little bit of fun with that, as you know, in the film. People was coming up to me like, man... Your brother's great fight, Mike Tyson. Like, man, it's got to be an easier way he can make a million dollars. Tyson will enter the ring in his customary black boxer shorts, his relatively low-cut black boxing shoes, no socks, no robe, no frills, no waist, and in no time at all, Tyson's expected to deposit Buster Douglas on the seat of his pants. This report could last longer than the fight. The fact is... I- if I'd been around back then, I would have felt the same way. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben yeah. probably would have oh, felt yeah. the same way. <laughs> and there are very few people who would have felt any differently. But we are talking ultimately about two heavyweights. Tyson had this turmoil in his life at that time, uh, although people totally disregarded that as a factor heading into the fight. You know, he had a new training team. Yeah. All that stuff had happened. He had a divorce, all this stuff. Anyway, my my point is that there's... There seemed to be more to the Tyson resume than I think there was. And plus, Buster was uh, an afterthought. Buster was considered um, in the parlance of boxing, not a bum, not quite a tomato can, but a guy, as Bruce Trampler puts it in our film, whose future was behind him. We're kind of nibbling around a big central question here, so I'll just ask it, which is, did Douglas win this fight or did Tyson lose this fight? 100% 100% Buster Douglas won this fight. I would agree. And and people that say Mike Tyson wasn't uh, you know, wasn't prepared, didn't sleep well, all these other uh, all these other reasons that exist. Was out partying was with out Bobby partying. Brown. Yes, there's many Look, things. If you're going to if you're going to make excuses for every heavyweight champion who was out partying the night before a title defense, you're you're going to cover a large But, but, but wait a minute. Guys. Let me let me push push back on this a little sure. bit because we 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 just pointed to Douglas and said he had all these other things going on in his life. His That's mother right. had just died. There was this big psychological element to boxing that really matters and primed him for this moment to take advantage of his gifts. So why then can't we look at the flip side of the coin and say Tyson was partying, he was, you know, maybe maybe not getting sleep, and he was not psychologically in a place to take advantage. Well, I, I, I'm not going to discredit that. I'm going to say that's all relevant, but the point of the matter is you could you could have just as easily made the argument, and people did before the fight, that Buster Douglas should not have been stepping into that ring because he was mourning the death of his mother. And that was what was unique about Buster Douglas. All these other guys were scared. Yeah. And um, Buster Douglas, he had been working for two and a half years to get a chance to redeem himself after the Tony Tucker fight. And he was gunning for Mike Tyson. And he was gunning for another title. And one of the more interesting things that was said to us, I think, during the course of putting this together, and it's not in the film uh, because it it just didn't fit into the storyline. I don't think that Buster necessarily thought he was going to beat Greg Page, whom he did beat. I don't think he necessarily thought he was going to beat Tony Tucker, whom he lost to. Or, you know, some of these other big fights. But 100% he believed he was going to beat Mike Tyson. He always believed he was going to beat Mike Tyson. And he thought that all these other guys who just didn't show up um, weren't psychologically tough enough. And Buster was, which is one of the ironies here, because this, the knock against Buster had been that he he was soft. Yeah. And, and mentally. And, and when you watch this 30 for 30 documentary, 
And I, I do think there is great theater from rounds one to ten in that fight. It, it is really like watching a movie. Buster is not backing up. He's here to fight. No one can in their right mind watch that fight that happens and unfolds over 10 rounds and think that Mike Tyson wasn't in shape, that he wasn't ready to fight. Mike Tyson was beaten up by Buster Douglas. Look at this! He's knocked Mike Tyson down for the first time in his career! Mike Tyson hits the canvas! He's in big trouble! Tyson, I don't think, was prepared. Certainly he didn't think this fight was going to last. Uh, as long as it did, regardless of who won it. <laughs> Certainly he didn't think Buster Douglas was going to win it. I don't think he had a plan because he'd never been in trouble before. You know, he's the guy who famously said, his most famous quotation is, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Well, when he got punched in the mouth yeah. by Buster, he didn't have a plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mike Tyson is not in this film. I mean, you've talked a lot about how you really want the lens to be on Douglas, but was that by design or just the way it shook out? This is what happened. So um, I, we tried to get Mike. We went through certain channels. They were not fruitful. I actually went to go see him in person at one point to ask him to participate. He declined to do so. But I interviewed him last year in 2017 for a separate piece. Got about 20 minutes with him specifically on this fight, I would say. Maybe more. You did. I'll tell you one thing he said, though. He, he gives Buster a lot of credit for beating him and during that E60 interview. I don't think that actually made right, This was an E60 This interview, is from yeah. 2017 when he sat down, and he does say, I give, I give Buster all the credit for beating me. He was great that night. But he says, is Buster Douglas a better fighter than me? No. So we had this interview, Mike on Buster, that was new, that hadn't been used before, and we decided ultimately not to use it. Huh. We decided this was ultimately... Buster's story from his perspective. We have Mike represented, as you know, very well in contextual terms. And uh, you could say this is rationalization after the fact because we didn't get, you know, a two hour sit down with him to talk about it. But I ultimately think that um, Mike is such a big personality and he's so dynamic and he's so electric and he says interesting things that he can overwhelm stories yeah. when he's present. And I'll say this, and I love Buster. He's not extremely charismatic. He's not a big personality, but that quiet, I've got it, part of him, I think that's what comes through. All right. Give me your little thumbnail sketch of the greatest sports upsets ever and 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 make the case for how this fits in. I would say, all right, if you're going to make the argument for this fight, and we have, um, you know, and we were talking about this on Twitter, and people are coming back with Leicester City because they were 5,001. And, and look, uh, I am inviting ridicule. I get it. I, I bring it on. Uh, I would say those kinds of odds on a season-long outcome, like Leicester City winning the uh, English Premier League three years ago or the uh, St. Louis Rams winning the Super Bowl in the 1999 season when they were 300-1 to at the beginning of the season – the 42 to 1, if anything, kind of hurts the case because there are these higher numbers elsewhere. Sure. But 42 to 1 wasn't really representative. If anything, it was uh, metaphorically, in people's minds, it was infinite to 1, yeah. infinity to 1. And great doesn't just mean the numerical number. Yeah. Great means the significance. And, you know, people bring up the miracle on ice. I am not going to sit here and diminish the greatness of the miracle on ice. But Miracle on Ice is significant because of other things, the backdrop of the Cold War. This is a guy who was considered invincible against a guy who nobody gave a shot.
That's my argument. So you you named two of the ones that were on my thumbnail list. Villanova beating Georgetown in 1985. And then just last year, let's not forget, we finally, finally, finally had a 16 beating a one in in March Madness. Um, And by the way, when that happened, Buster Douglas was named more. In the aftermath oh, really? of the 16 seed beating the one seed on all networks, including our own at ESPN, people would always reference, geez, that's like when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it is many people, Jeremy has gone back to this many times, people know that he won the fight, but they don't know the next sentence. And that's really the hope and the goal here of what we tried to do in this documentary. Buster, he rallied from being an unbelievable underdog to absolutely the greatest upset ever. 42 to 1, I'd lay 50 to 1, you'll never see it again. ESPN's Jeremy Schapp and Ben Hauser co-directed the film 42 to 1. It's airing on ESPN this month and then will be available on our new streaming service, ESPN+. Plus. You can watch it right on your phone or your tablet or hook it up to your TV or projector like I do. It's a streaming service. You know how that works. By the way, every 30 for 30 film that we've ever made is on there. So go ahead and sign up for ESPN Plus if you haven't yet. The best way, by the way, to stay up to speed on when new films get posted to Plus is to follow 30 for 30 on Twitter or Facebook, or you can follow me, Jody Avergan, and I'll let you know. Also, later this month on Twitter, we'll be doing a special live video stream conversation. We'll be answering some of your questions, talking about 30 for 30, so keep your eye out for that. Also, I should say these bonus conversations that we do about the films, we put them in the main 30 for 30 feed that is likely where you are listening to this. But then after a month or so, we move them to a different feed where we archive them called ESPN Films Conversations. So if you want to go back and find those, there's a link to the feed in the show notes, or you can just find all of this information on our website, 30for30podcast.com. This episode was produced by Nina Ernest with help from Vin D'Anton, Ryan Nantel, Mitra Kaboli, and Troy Farkas. My name is Jody Avergan. As I've mentioned before, next year is a big year for us. We're celebrating the 10th anniversary of 30 for 30. We're already deep in production for our next audio docs. There's lots of other great stuff in store. So thanks for listening and be sure to stick around. We'll be back soon with more 30 for 30.